hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. And we're here with part two of Ida Scudder, yes. who is a woman worth knowing. Absolutely. So Ida, if you remember, had been born on the mission field, lived there till she was eight, mm-hmm. then went back, was educated in the United States, didn't want to go back to India, but she went back to take care of her mother. And that's when the Lord showed her that she was called to be a doctor. Yeah, so she clearly. went back, graduated from Cornell, one mm-hmm. of the first women to graduate from Cornell, one of eight. As a doctor. As a doctor. Right. And then interned in New York City, returned to serve with her parents in Valor, and died. Her father died in Valor. <laughs> Not Ida. Her father died in Valor. And no, that's just, just a recap. Yeah. But now, um, so I told you she had reopened her father's clinic, but mm-hmm. she had no patients until one day an older Hindu woman came from a very high caste. And this woman had an eye infection. And Ida just prayed, Lord, please let this be something that I can treat and actually yeah. fix. And she realized that the woman just had ophthalmia, a, a simple eye infection. So she put these drops in the woman's eyes, uh, these boric drops, and told the woman to come back the next day. Well, Ida realized that she was so excited about getting her first patient that she forgot to get any information on the first patient. Oh, no. So if the woman didn't come back, Ida realized... That was like a one-off, but the woman came back. She came back every day for one week, and she was so impressed with um, her eyes being made, you know, totally well, clear yeah. that she told everybody that was the ticket about Ida. <laughs> so then, you know, Ida um, starts working, and it's opening up, and she's getting patients, and she realized that her housemate. Uh, Salame, who was a young girl, was just like the most amazing help. She loved helping her with the bandages. In fact, Salome liked that better than, you know, housework and all the other things. And she spoke fluently in English and Tamal. Was she, was she a Christian? Yes. Oh, okay. And so she could use her wow. to, you know, communicate to the patients when her um, Ida's Tamal failed her. And so then on September 7th, 1901, the Mary Tabor Shell Memorial Hospital began construction. And the first hospital would have 40 beds, and Louisa Hart was supposed to run the hospital. But she had become sick and had returned to recuperate in the U.S., so Ida did not feel like she had enough experience to run a hospital, but she yeah. had to. There was mm. no one else. So she had to meet the needs of the patients in the hospital. Mm. Now, one of the things was, though, that there weren't that many women coming to the hospital. And she's thinking, this is so great. So she gets this idea that she would take a cart, which they called bandies, right? And so it's a wooden cart, and it would be drawn by an ox. Mm. And so she fitted it with a bed and medical equipment, and she started going to these um, outlying villages with um, Salome and started treating women. Oh, and, you house know, calls. Yes. They called it roadside. Oh, Their roadside okay. ministry. <laughs> they didn't even call it clinics because they would just kind of operate from the bandy. Crazy. And she would help people. But it got her reputation, so people started coming from the villages to the hospital. I love how proactive she was. <laughs> right. But at one point, A woman came with a huge tumor. Actually, she was a young woman on her stomach. In fact, the tumor was somewhere around 56 pounds. Can you imagine having a 56-pound tumor? Right. 
And so Ida was like, I'm not ready to do surgery, especially at that magnitude and mm-hmm. on the stomach area. So she was telling her mother and her mother said, well, what will happen to this girl if you don't? And I just said, she'll die. And she said, who else? Who is as qualified as you are to operate on this girl? And I just said, no one. Mm-hmm. And she said, then you're the one. Ida did it and it was so successful that the girl began talking about Ida being the best doctor ever. (laughs) So again, all these people started coming. Mm. So Ida, at this point, between the roadside clinics and the clinic in Valora and the hospital, she was treating 300 people a day. It's crazy. 300 people a day. By 1902, Ida had treated over 12,000 patients. Remember, she came back in 1900. Mm -hmm. She had treated over 12,000 patients and performed 56 major operations and 428 minor operations. This is just Ida, right? She's the fire. (laughs) And one day, Ida has this premonition. And the Lord would just kind of prompt her. And she had just delivered a baby girl two weeks before and the baby girl had been kind of sickly. And so Ida had nursed the baby girl back to health. And she gets this premonition, like, I need to go check on that baby girl. So she goes into the room, the nursery area, and she sees, you know, mothers there and everything looks right. But she sees the screen and she looks behind the screen and there's a Muslim grandmother who is putting a pillow over the little girl whose life she saved, trying to smother her. And the mother's just standing there. And Ida runs up and takes the pillow off, and she resuscitates the little girl. And she says, what are you doing? And the grandmother said, she was born on an evil day. She's an evil child. We don't want her. She needs to die. And the mother's like, yes, she needs to die because she was born on an evil day. Mm -hmm. And Ida said, no, you know, no. And so then the grandmother's like, then you take her because we'll kill her. And so Ida takes this little baby girl, two weeks old, and she takes her home to her mother. And they find some women who will nurse the baby and take care of it. So now Ida has a little baby girl. And pretty soon, Ida has three baby girls. Same similar similar situations? Yes. Rescued? So she began to, um, she starts this little orphanage. And the orphanage is kind of like on one of the verandas of the Mary Tabor Hospital. And they just make it into, you know, a room and they feed the children and they they put them in school. So um, every exam that Ida did, because of the way the Indians were, it would always begin by taking your pulse. So if she was treating a man, she would take his pulse on the right wrist. If she was treating a woman, you had to take her pulse on the left wrist. I mean, that was just some of the superstitions Uh that she was up against. Yes, And one of the, the greatest enemies to Ida was these witch doctors that were in the the town. And they would slander Ida, say terrible things about her. But in the meantime, they would make these strange poultices that they would make the people wear. Their lives were really hard. Or there were even these dangerous doctors that would prescribe these terrible remedies, like treating corneas by sticking a needle in the eye. Oh my gosh. Or yeah. um, with uh, grinding glass and ashes together and making, you know, like these rubs uh, to put on different things and then wrapping them in, in dirty, dirty cloths. And causing infections and all, yeah. Horrid things. And people were dying. And then there were those who just did incantations that did nothing at all. On one occasion, Ida went into a town and there was a man who told her he had this um, these flies in his ears. And one of the witch doctors had told him that he had these flies in his ears. And could Ida do anything about the flies in his ears? Because she'd get the rest of the flies out because the other 
witch doctor had said he couldn't get all the flies out, Ida looks into his ear and there's a little pebble resting against his eardrum. So with a pair of tweezers, Ida pulls the pebble out and the man goes, how did you get rid of the flies? Were they invisible? How come I didn't see the flies? (laughs) Because the buzzing and everything that he heard was gone. In 1907, Ida and the hospital had treated over 30,000 people. Imagine, right? Wow. And they desperately needed nurses. Now, Ida wanted to be less dependent on foreign aid and foreign nurses coming over. So she had the idea to train Indian women as nurses. Is she still, is she all alone still as the only doctor or has anyone come to join Louisa her? Louisa has come back by this okay. time. Okay, okay. So Ida, her mother, and Annie sell to America because now Louisa can take over the hospital for a right. time. So they sell to America, uh, sold because the mother needed another furlough. And they went there to raise money for a nurse's training school. So Ida attends, of course, another family reunion. And while she's at one of the family reunions in Nebraska, she meets her little niece named Ida Bell Scudder. Aww. So she's she's Namesake. named mm-hmm. <laughs> Ida is actually Ida Sophia Scudder, Dr. Ida, but this is her niece, Ida Bell Scudder. And Ida Bell followed her all over the reunion. And whenever Ida was telling a story, she'd look over and there was little Ida Bell, seven years old, just looking at her totally entranced. Like Cute. even the gory stories. She just loved it all. So by the time Ida sailed back to India, she had raised $5,000 for a nurse's training school and was accompanied by Delia Houghton, a trained nurse who was ready to train and teach other nurses in India. So as soon as they landed, Delia started out right away on learning Tamal so she could teach as soon as possible. Gertrude Dodd, remember she was one of the sisters? Yeah, yeah. Well, in the meantime, she sells her apartment in New York City and decides to go help Ida as a missionary. And she's in her 50s. Mm. And then Catherine Van Nest, who had been her roommate, uh, Mm. she decides that she wants to go um, to India and serve. These two women became incredible at the hospital. Uh, Gertrude uh, helped run the hospital and Catherine Van Ness uh, also, and they were just incredible. Mm. So the nursing school was open to Christian women, Hindu women, and Muslim women, and 15 students applied and enrolled. Then Ida received news that someone in the U.S. was sending her a car. She got so excited. And a Peugeot arrived, and she was so excited until she found out that it was in parts. Like, it wasn't what? put together. Wow. What year was this? Is this in the 1920s or 30s? Yeah. This okay. is, uh, this is like, um, well, no, this is like 1910. Oh, wow. Okay. And so Very she, early car. This is 1910. So she needs this car. So they, she asks around. She finds out there's a Christian mechanic who comes and he puts the whole car together <laughs> for her. And then she hires a driver. Now, the car only has one cylinder, but instead of using the bandies, they decide to use the car because they'll get it to the villages faster. So she outfits the car with all her medicine and she starts going. And then what they did is they actually built clinics in some of these other towns. And at first, the villagers were so scared when they heard the car that they'd run away. Mm. So what she would do is she'd have the driver park outside and then she would walk in and tell them, I'm here. It's a clinic. It's totally safe. After a while, the people loved the car. Whenever they hear it, they would all gather around. They were so excited. Of course, one of them stole the horn because they thought it was such a novelty to have the horn. One time the car broke down and Ida got the opportunity to help a village recover from the guinea worm. And she they were all infected by the guinea worm. Oh, we've heard about that before. Yes. Oh gosh. From um that was 
uh, Granny yep, Brand. Yep, the brands, yep. Mm-hmm. So the next week, she decided to bring her nursing class with her. And her best nursing student, she had her and Tamal explain how they could keep from getting the guinea worm. In the meantime, she had the rest of the girls remove the guinea worm from the women. And she, she had taught in the interim, she had taught a whole class on the guinea worm mm-hmm. to the girls so that they would know how to treat it and what to do. And then what she did is she showed the women that they could either boil the water, but if they boiled the water, wood was expensive, but she had a better way. Take a piece of cloth, put it over the pot, and then pour the water through the cloth, and it would sort out the guinea room, worm. Then take the cloth and get rid of it and wash the cloth really well. And that village was totally cured mm. of the guinea worm. So, Amazing. of course, now she's got more people that absolutely yeah. love her. Yeah. So, in 1910, Dr. Louisa Hart was reassigned to Mandem Palais. And this left Ida again alone to take care of the hospital. And it was on her way to a medical conference in a nearby city that Ida was inspired to start a medical college to train up Indian women to become doctors. Again, she doesn't want the Indian mission field to be so dependent mm-hmm. on foreigners. On Westerners, yeah. And so this is an interdenominational medical co- uh, conference, and she brings up her plan. And the council said that they would just consider it. In the meantime, Ida had found a piece of land just outside of Allure that she felt would be a perfect college, and she prayed on the land. Now, what's interesting, but she didn't know at the time is 100 years earlier, her grandfather had stood on that same piece of land and prayed that God would start a medical college there. Wow. She only found that out later, the very piece of land that she loved. Wow. So this is 1912. Ida opened up a a tuberculosis sanitarium. Now, the council voted to approve the medical college if Ida could get permission from the government, the English government, and raise the money and recruit the staff. So Ida went to Madras to get permission to enlarge the hospital to accommodate 150 more bets. The price would be $40,000. By this time, 18 nurses had graduated from training and were all working. So she also has to um, make an appearance uh, before um, a Colonel Bryson. But before she could, um, she was going on furlough again. And this furlough, she had to raise the money to expand the hospital because unless she could expand the hospital, she couldn't have a medical college because there had to be so many patients to each doctor and she didn't have enough beds. So she goes back to the United States. She meets a woman named Lucy Peabody who says, I'll be... I'll be the one who raises the funds for you. <laughs> and Ida's speaking sometimes four times a day because Lucy Peabody is arranging her wow. schedule. And however, during this time, uh, and Lucy is a suffragette and she's super excited about, you know, helping, you know, women's women college. Empowering th- women, yes, yeah. This is everything she wants to do. Um, but we're on the we're on the, the cusp of World War One. This mm-hmm. is like a very dangerous time. Mm-hmm. However, Ida returned to India in 1915 with $8,000 for her um, medical college. And so she goes to Madras and she meets with Colonel Bryson. Colonel Bryson's like, do you realize it'll cost you a million dollars? And she's like, yes, but it will come in. You know, I've got Lucy working on it. We'll get the money. Oh. And he told her, all right, I'll approve this if you think you can get six students to apply because he thought there's no way she'll get six students. And she thought she could maybe get three. (laughs) When she sent out the form, 69 women applied. Wow. And of those, 
she realized she could only take 17 at the most. So this is all she has. She has two medical books, and she has a skeleton that she wires the parts together using, <laughs> you know, wire and drilling holes. And then she takes um, ribbons. And so she takes uh, blue ribbons for veins and red ribbons for <laughs> arteries and yellow ribbons for nerves. And she reconstructs the human anatomy. And then she takes scraps of fabric and she creates these muscles. She sews like these muscle bags, oh so to gosh. speak. And she puts them in where the muscles are and she labels them. And she even puts, she does these strings so that she can move the skeleton when she wants to. And so, um, again, that's all she's got. The two school books, one microscope and her homemade skeleton. Now, the girls had to learn 50 thousand words in, you know, Latin and Greek and English, um, and Tamil. And tam yeah, exactly. About the human anatomy. It, and so every week, Ida would start out with a devotion at 7.30 a.m. Actually, every day she started with devotions at 7.30 a.m. But every single Monday, she always read 1 Corinthians 13 mm -hmm. because she said this, the love of God had to be at the heart of all they did. Beautiful. And were these women believers, the ones that were coming to the school, or not necessarily? Okay. Um, some were. Some were Christians. But wow, she yeah. really had this heart like it would be evangelistic. Yeah. So to totally. open it up to Muslims and Hindus, mm. uh, to give them opportunity. Amazing. Yeah. So she had quizzes every week. And anything less than 90% was a fail. Mm. In fact, it was so strenuous that in the first three months, three girls dropped out. Hmm. Now, at the end of the year, the girls were required to take a medical exam in Madras. The pass rate for the exam—now, remember, only men have taken it so right. far from seven different medical colleges—was 20%. Only 20% passed. Can you imagine? That's Yeah. And that's men Daunting. and medical colleges. Yeah. And now she's taking her 14, uh, yeah, her 14, 14 girls, girls yeah. to see how they do. So all of, all, all 14 students passed. Shocking. All, and and haven't they told her, don't expect too much, yes. Ida? Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Bryson has said, you know, don't expect too much. He was so impressed. And he told Ida she was making the other schools look bad. <laughs> well, the local jail provided Ida with corpses for the practicums. Oh and gosh. that seemed to be the hardest part for the girls to overcome. Ida also set up recreation for the girls to deal with the stress of learning. So she set up badminton and tennis courts because she believed in exercise. So smart. Mm -hmm. In order to allow for more students, Ida had to increase the number of hospital beds. This required more money again. In the meantime, the orphanage had grown to 23 children, and they ranged in ages from six months to 16 years old. In 1921, Ida found out from Lucy that Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial Fund mm. was willing to give a million dollars to medical colleges in India if the colleges could raise $2 million. That would mean $425,000 for Ida's medical school. So in 1922, her first class of doctors graduated from the medical school. All 14 women graduated past all their exams. Shocking. Ida, Amazing. her mother, and Gertrude then set sail for Ida's furlough to the United States. By this time, Sophie Scudder, her mother, was 80 years old. Mm. So the family picked up I, uh, Sophie and uh, for the family reunion. But Ida couldn't go to the family reunion this time. She was too busy speaking everywhere and trying to raise the $2 million needed. 
Um, during her time, she met a woman named Carol Jameson, Dr. Carol Jameson, who had just graduated from Harvard Medical School. <laughs> Carol wanted to go to India, but first she needed to finish her internship at Mayo Clinic. Ida was ecstatic. I, I mean, bet. after all her efforts, though, because the women were, were more interested in what was happening kind of in Europe at this time, she was $50,000 short of her goal. But on the last day, she was in California, and this woman who heard about everything she was doing handed her a check for 50000 just the day before the due date that it was all in. Isn't it interesting that this is mostly women, like yep. women helping, women going with her? It's just, wow, it's really interesting. It really is. In 1923, her dear friend Annie, who had come over with her, who had the heart, um, died of cholera after faithfully serving in India for 23 years. Mm-hmm. You know, Ida wasn't sure if she could, you know, take the loss. It just hurt so much. Yeah. And remember, Ida's in her 50s now. Yeah. So Ida built a house for herself in the halls of Kadagat uh, Canal, and she hoped to have her mother live there with her because she knew her mother was getting older. However, her mother died August 20th, 1925, before the house was completed. Wow, was that around the same time as Annie died? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so and sad. so it was that's really, rough. yeah, it was three years or two years after Annie yeah, died. Yeah. Her It was 1925 mm-hmm. and her mother had been 86 years old. Um, in 1927, she met uh, Gandhi. Gandhi came wow. to see the school and he really commended Ida for educating Indian women, because that was something that he really wanted to see was the education and training of women in India, because he thought it was best for India. He wanted to see the foreigners leave and all of this assumed by the people of India. Hmm. At 57, she took a furlough and you know, with Gertrude. And Gertrude was hoping for like just staying and relaxing on this lake. However, Ida had different ideas. She hiked over 500 miles through the Himalayan mountains and said it was the best vacation she had ever had. <laughs> then she went on to Europe to take some medical classes. She was always learning, you know, learning yeah. and wanting to learn more and more about surgery and about medicine. And she's 57 years old at this mm. time. She again met with the family. Uh, she returned to the United States, met with the family. And by this time, most of them were doctors. And what they did is they all talked medicine. They were all talking about medicine. Speaking out. <laughs> now, in 1931, Dr. Ida Bell her niece, joined her aunt in India to work at the hospital at Valor. And Ida began to turn over more and more of her work to her niece. And Ida became anti-Ida to all the patients, to everybody there, while Ida Bell became Dr. Ida Scudder. So Ida was a visionary, always working to get the newest advances in equipment and medicine to the hospital in Valor, tireless in her efforts, in her letters uh, to the United States. But the Depression in America hit hard, and Gertrude, who was over the work, stretched every ruble to the max, and she's absolutely amazing. However, the government announced that they were closing all the medical colleges in India except the University of Madras. Ida did not want to see her all girls' school clothes, but she knew she couldn't go forward. And so as she's praying about what to do, um, this man named Dr. Frederick Hume from England was visiting, and he came to India with the express purpose of opening a Christian medical college for men and raising up men to be doctors. And when he saw everything that Ida was doing, he said, Ida, Let's work together. Let's have a co-educational college. Ida thought that was amazing. But when she wrote to Lucy 
Peabody. Lucy's like, no, this is for women. Everything I've done has been with women. And now men are going to come over. They're going to take over everything that women built. Mm. And they're going to take credit for it. And she was so angry that, um, you know, and and this issue kept coming over. So Mm. Ida goes on furlough again in 1941 with Gertrude back to the United States. And um, she's 70 at this time. Ida is 70. Gertrude is in her 80s. And they begin, again, campaigning for funds. And she notices that um, Gertrude's a little slower. So while in the States, Ida found out that the Japanese had attacked India. Mm-hmm. Um, they bombed Madras. However, Valeur was spared and the hospital was fine. Um, four years into this furlough, furlough, <laughs> furlough <laughs> Gertrude died at 84 years mm. old. And by July of 1945, Ida had raised enough money to save the college, just barely, because yeah. most people were giving to the Red Cross then and well, to yeah, the World I mean, War II yeah, efforts. Exactly. Right. In 1945, Ida took over the school for a time. She went back. Oh, she returned to India just five days before the Japanese surrender. It was considered kind of dangerous. But then five days after she returned, the Japanese surrendered and it was the end of World War Two. Two. Yeah. In 1945, Ida took over the school for a time. She was so excited. She's 75 years old. When Dr. Cochran, the director, he was a Scot, had to go to England. And when he returned, mm-hmm. she decided it was time to retire to Hilltop House. And she hosted many friends there, as many fi- as 50 in one day. And she loved to come down and visit the hospital and talk to the patients and visit the school in Valour and teach a couple of classes. Mm -hmm. Um, She was dearly, dearly loved. She also loved to play tennis all the way up into her 80s. Out a girl. And she beat most of the younger players she played. (laughs) She was so good. She also met Dr. Paul Brand and witnessed his advances in surgery on those with leprosy. I mean, she just was amazed. Like I said, she's always learning. Lifelong learner. Yeah. (laughs) On her 50th Jubilee, she was given money to retire on. And they had this huge party in India celebrating all the advances and all the things she had done. But Instead, she found out they were trying to build a men's dorm at the medical college and they didn't have enough money. So she gave all the money they'd given her to retire on to the medical college and $5,000 out of her savings, all her savings. At 82, she had a mild hernia operation and insisted on watching the whole procedure. Oh, gross. So she had a local (laughs) anesthetic and asked for a mirror, and she watched the whole procedure. Because at 80, she was still so interested in the advances of medicine, and she just loved to talk about it. Here's a girl who thought she'd just get married and have this frivolous life and found out she absolutely loved medicine. Wow. In 1960, there were plans to celebrate her 90th birthday. Remember, her 90th birthday would have been in August. However, three months before the celebration, after gardening in the morning, entertaining guests, and Mm. a long car ride, she felt dizzy. And Mm. so she went into the house, and she was just sitting down, and the nurse said, Oh, you know, Miss Scudder, can I bring you a cup of coffee? And she said, No, dear, not this time. She closed her eyes, and five minutes later, she departed for heaven. Wow. And it was just like this very gentle, very gentle homegoing. Mm-hmm. So her favorite hymns were, Oh, love that will not let me go, mm, that's a good one. and Be Thou My Vision. Mm, another good and one. they both just so um, encapsulate her life. Yeah. I want to read you two quotes that she has. And she says um, to her doctors at the graduating class, have gentleness, forbearance, and courtesy when dealing with the sick. 
May the blessing of quietness, of assurance, and of wisdom, which is pure, peaceable, gentle, full of mercy, and good fruits be yours always. And last and greatest of all, may you follow always and closely in the steps of the great physician, Christ, who went about doing good, healing the sick, outpouring his wealth of love upon a sinning, sorrowing world, encouraging, uplifting, and carrying joy wherever he went. Beautiful. And then another famous saying of hers was, first ponder, then dare. Know your facts. Count the cost. Money is not the important thing. What you are building is not a medical school. It is the kingdom of God. Don't err on the side of being too small. If this is the will of God that we should find some way to keep the college open, it has to be done. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing is that Velour Hospital is still going today, and it's one of the best hospitals in the world, not just in India, but in the world. Also, her medical college is considered one of the top medical schools in India. So recently, Mm -hmm. I was just on YouTube, and I looked Mm -hmm. up, you know, I discover, and there I watched a fifteen-minute um, promo. Wow! On the on the on the hospital on the hospital. It's huge. Amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful, and it's got and all the doctors are Indian, mm. and they're just talking about what Ida Scudder meant to them. Wow! And how she started, and she was such a visionary. Yeah. And they're just showing us around the hospital and all the medical advances, and there are some things that the hospital in Valur actually taught. The doctors in the United States, they're just oh, like, they're wow. just always advancing. It's, it's I amazing. I love that. And it was because she had vision to pass it down. It's yes, not mine and it's That's not right. for the foreigners. This That's is right. for you. And at one point she actually that. realized that the will of God was for her to be married to, to the work. Hmm. And she felt like if she ever got married, she wouldn't have time for all the work that God wanted well, her yeah, to do. 300 she, patients a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was just too busy. And she absolutely loved, 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 loved what she did. And she was well-loved in India. And she's still well-loved and well-remembered. And that's why Ida Scudder is what, Jasmine? She is a woman worth knowing. A woman worth knowing. Definitely. And again, if you have a woman <laughs> worth knowing that we should know about or you want us to highlight, please, please, please reach us by... Uh, email wwk at cccm.com, or you can check us out on uh, women.cccm.com or graciouswords.com. There's links there to our podcast. And you know what? We would just love to hear your comments. And yes, if you like anything. this program, do you like us? Yeah, that Do you like too. the women we're talking like about? Like us on the, on the app. On Please the, like uh, us on yeah. the app and tell other people about this and tell us which, which woman is your favorite. Yes, that too. Okay. That's enough for now. Thank you for joining us on this week with Ida Scudder, a woman worth knowing. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.